Hello, I'm Dwayne McCrary, the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible, and we want to thank you for joining us for the podcast this week. We'll be looking at session eight. And my guest today, once again, is David Briscoe joining us. David, thanks for being here with us. I'm glad to be here. Uh, as I said, we're going to be looking at session eight, which is a study of Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I realize that's just six verses, but there is plenty of stuff in, these, in this short section. First of all, Paul talks about that God has given us equippers. He lists four types of gifted leaders that Christ gave to his church to help us become equipped for ministry. He, he, he goes on and he talks about that the purpose of these gifted leaders that he lists in verse 11 um, was for the equipping and building up of the church with a goal of believers reaching maturity doing the work of ministry. He wants us, Paul is wanting us to understand that we as believers need to move forward. Part of that too relates to this idea of us as believers being a part of a body. In verses 15 and 16 of chapter 4, Paul reminded his readers that maturity is seen in a confident faith in Christ as we grow in Christ's likeness and strengthen the church by doing our part. In this section, these these six verses, we see the issue of spiritual gifts. We see church polity. We see us functioning as a body. A lot of things to cover in here. So, David, let's just jump right in. Um, he mentioned, I mentioned these, these gifts, four gifted leaders that are given, four types, two of them being apostles and prophets. Um, how should we understand uh, those, those gifts today? Well, uh, let's just take a look at uh, what what they meant in Scripture in, in that context. Uh, the word apostle, the Greek word that is rendered apostle, uh, means literally one who is sent. So you're sent by someone, you're sent on their behalf. So one who is sent, and usually it's either to convey a message or it is to carry out a task, and sometimes both of those combined. In the New Testament, an apostle is one then whom Jesus commissioned and authorized in his name and sent out to deliver the message of the gospel and to carry out the task of proclaiming the gospel. And we have, uh, we, we have an example in the Gospel of Luke, for example, of where Jesus actually commissioned uh, the 12 apostles. Uh, in Luke 6, verses 12 uh, through 16, he, uh, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. He spent all night in prayer about this matter. And when daylight came, he summoned his disciples. Uh, we don't know how many that included, but then it goes on to say he chose 12 of them. He summoned his disciples, chose 12 of them, and he also named them apostles. So he was going to send them out uh, with a message, with a task. And we know some of those, uh, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Uh, and so that group of 12 who were his 12 original apostles. Prophet, that word, uh, means to, to speak forth, to foretell and to forthtell uh, a message from God. And so it has a long History in the Old Testament, we know prophets such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, 
and Elisha were all prophets. Moses, Samuel were known as prophets as well. They proclaimed the word of the Lord. And so uh, a number of those prophets uh, were uh, producers of Scripture. In other words, they not only proclaimed the Word of God, but they recorded, they wrote down what God's Word was. And we still have that in our Bible. We have the Scriptures that uh, give to us God's Word that He revealed to these prophets and to the apostles. Now, in the sense then that the prophets and the apostles were writers of Scripture, uh, then we do not have those anymore. The, the New Testament, uh, the uh, this biblical canon, uh, you know, has been completed, and we have the Scriptures. Uh, there's no more Scripture in that sense being written. Uh, but we do have people who are still uh, telling forth the Word of God, our pastors, our preachers, uh, teachers, and they are uh, in some cases sent uh, we have missionaries who go to other places. And so in the sense that the, the basic prophetic gift of proclaiming the Word of God, the basic function of an apostle to be sent with a message and with a task, uh, those would still be, uh, God is still using people in those ways. But now we might not call them apostles and prophets in the sense that the writers of Scripture were. So it depends on how we define that, exactly. that, that, that particular function. Yes. Paul had this expectation, verse 13, he had this expectation that we're going to grow. Uh, the key doctrine for this particular lesson is on sanctification, which a key phrase out of that is growth in grace. Um, how should we understand this idea, this expectation that we are to mature? Well, that's, uh, that's really one part of the growth. Certainly, Paul did uh, expect that uh, because he was using this imagery of the church as the body of Christ. Uh, well, when, when we are born as children, uh, we begin to grow and our bodies grow. Uh, so in the same way, the body of Christ uh, is going to grow. Well, I, I think there are at least three ways that we can talk about that growth and the expectation Paul had. One is an evangelistic growth. Uh, in other words, Paul expected the body of Christ to become more numerous, that as the gospel is shared and people respond, new believers are added to the church. We are familiar with those phrases in the book of Acts, the Lord added to the church. Uh, those who were saved, sometimes by the thousands and sometimes one by one, but the church kept growing. That's an evangelistic growth. But then there's also a, a strengthening growth. In other words, the body gets stronger. And the way that the body of Christ gets stronger is through its study of God's Word, its uh, carrying out of God's Word, obedience to the Spirit as He leads us. Uh, and that's what uh, Paul was referring to as we grow into a maturity with a stature that's measured by Christ's fullness. And I would make a little bit of a distinction there uh, as a third way of growth. 
that the church, the body of Christ, is to grow in its Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. We are, according to Ephesians 4.15, we are to grow in every way into Him who is the head, that is Christ. So that, that to me says to us that we're not only to grow evangelistically, more believers, we're not only to grow in strength, we're to get stronger in our faith and endure in our faith, but we're to grow to become more like Christ, growing into Him who is the head of the body. So we have the evangelistic, um, more believers being added, strengthening, which deals with obedience, and then Christ-likeness, um, which deals with demonstrating His character in a great, to greater degrees. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Um, the image of the body. Um, we see that multiple places in Scripture. We see it here. Uh, how does that help us better understand the nature of the church? Um, well, there's a Bible skill uh, that, that can help. Uh, in other words, the uh, leader can use the Bible skill either with individuals or with uh, small groups within the group, uh, to work on the Bible skill, which is to uh, read a number of passages that all of which use this same imagery uh, of the body. But the, the, the content of that and the, uh, the, the meaning of this term, the body of Christ, Paul saw the church as a, a living organism. It wasn't just an organization. It was an organism. It was something that was alive. And so uh, Paul wrote in, in several of his epistles using this imagery. Uh, for example, in Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, he, he wrote, Now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So you have that use of the body with its various parts, arms, legs. Uh, and uh, so we are different believers, having different functions, and yet we're part of the one body that is Christ's body. So in essence, the body highlights that it is a single unified entity, but with different interconnected parts. So the idea of unity, we keep seeing that in our study of Ephesians, we see it with the, the, the Trinity. We see it within our, our focus as a church and, that, and as a body. And once again, we see it here as well. Um, two more phrases I want us to look at here, David, that jump out. One's in verse 14, and that is this phrase, trickery of men. Um, we're told to be mature, uh, to grow. So how, how can we recognize false teachers when we deal with this phrase, the trickery of men? Uh, you know, it's interesting about the book of Ephesians. It's one of the Paul's letters where he really did not have to deal very much with the idea of false teaching, although uh, he certainly knew that it was there and it was going to be a problem. In fact, when he met with the elders of the church at Ephesus on his way back toward Jerusalem on the third missionary journey, uh, he met with them at Miletus and, and he told them, you, you know, you need to be careful. You need to beware because there are going to be these uh, false teachers who will come in. They'll be like wolves in sheep's clothing. 
and uh, and so you have to be prepared. So how can we recognize them? Uh, well, here are the things that I would suggest. One is you be alert for it. In other words, uh, Jesus also warned, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, uh, but inwardly are ravening wolves. That's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 15. So be alert for it. Know that it's, it's possible and know that it can happen. Uh, but secondly, uh, learn and live out the truth. In other words, the best way to spot something that's counterfeit is to know what's real thoroughly. Uh, those who are trained to spot counterfeit money, they train by knowing the real money. Uh, so thoroughly that when you see or hear something that is not right, it jumps out at you immediately there. So as we learn the truth, studying God's Word, as we live it out, it becomes part of us. Then it becomes even uh, easier then that we will recognize when something that we hear or see is just not the truth. That emphasizes the importance of us knowing what the Bible says, reading it constantly, continuing to, to study it so we understand what truth really looks like. Exactly. And, and I would just add one other thing, and that is to depend on God's Word, just as you were saying, and depend on God's Spirit, because God's Spirit has promised that He would help us in this way. And uh, certainly in our prayer, uh, Paul was utilizing prayer in the letter to the Ephesians. And so we, we need to pray that the God would help us uh, to know when we're hearing something that is not truth and to know the truth and to live it out. The other phrase that I see in this passage, David, I want us to give some attention to is the phrase in verse 15, speaking the truth in love. Are there any principles for us to do that of how we can speak the truth in a loving way. Uh, there are. Uh, and so let me point out, uh, for example, that that word speaking the truth, uh, that, that's interesting because in the, in the Greek, uh, it's a single Greek verb, which basically just means to truth. Uh, so it naturally means speaking the truth, but it also means something beyond that. It means to live the truth. It means to do the truth. Uh, so the concept refers not only to truth in our speech, but also to integrity in our actions, both of those doing the truth both in words and deed. Uh, so I would, uh, I, would, I, I would suggest these principles about speaking the truth in love. Uh, one, before speaking the truth, make sure you know the truth. <laughs> uh, and so... You know, sometimes it's best just to not say anything if you're not sure. But know the truth, and then you can speak the truth. Uh, a second principle, I would say, is always have a prayer at the ready. And what I mean by that is, is what I'm reminded of in the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. And so he had some news that he needed to share. It was word back from back home that uh, the city of Jerusalem and Judah was just in, in tatters and, and it wasn't being rebuilt. And, 
And so it was just a, a terrible situation. And here was Nehemiah wanting to go back to help rebuild, particularly the wall around Jerusalem. And so uh, in Nehemiah 2.45, uh, the king of Persia asked Nehemiah, well, what's your request? And here's what the Bible says. So I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. It must have been a very short prayer, but it was a prayer. It was that kind of prayer that says, God, help me. Help me know what to say. And indeed, uh, Luke 12, 12 tells us that the Holy Spirit will teach us what we need to say in the situation. Uh, so that uh, we can depend on Him. So always have a prayer at the ready. And then three, uh, the third principle, practice the presence of Christ. Ask, your, ask yourself, is Jesus pleased with my words? Is He pleased with my attitude as I speak? He is listening, by the way. And so speak the truth by knowing the truth. Always have a prayer at the rally, ready and practice the presence of Christ. So I'm going to add truth into this, these three principles. Know the truth, pray the truth, practice the truth. I like that. Okay. David, thank you for spending time with us. Any other things you would want to point out from these six verses? No, I think uh, I, hope this, I hope this helps uh, folks to understand these verses better and to, in particular, to uh, acknowledge the, uh, the wonderful gift uh, that God has given to the church. Uh, the leaders that he has given to them uh, and work and continues to work through them. Well, I want to remind our, our listeners about a resource that's free, that's available for them. You can go to blog.lifeway.com forward slash explore the Bible. Go to the downloads tab across the top and then click on monthly or weekly extra. Uh, what you're going to find is a news story, a summary of a news story uh, that, uh, that tells you a way to, and it gives you a way to use that new story to introduce the lesson and to conclude the lesson. Uh, those are posted uh, 10 days prior to use, uh, suggested use. So I think you'll find them to be current news uh, and, and be things that folks are talking about, which also be a way to help you uh, bridge the gap between when they walk into the classroom or to the, wherever you're meeting to then moving in a natural way into the lesson using something that's in the news. Thank you much and God bless.